0: Welcome to the Africa Tech Summit podcast, sharing insights from across the African tech scene. Today's episode was recorded live at the Africa Money and DeFi Summit in Ghana. Stay tuned for great insights and also a discount code to join us at the Africa Tech Summit in Nairobi.
1: Welcome to this panel. I'm going to be your moderator I'm going to go around and ask everyone to do a proper introduction of themselves, tell us what they are building in the Web3 space, and then we get into the conversation. But I think one of the biggest highlights for me in this conference so far is just, is what just happened before this panel, which is latter wave integrating USDC. Maybe people thought Web3 was a buzzword, but At this point, maybe you should start taking some notes on what Web3 is and where it's going. Um, Nonetheless, I'll start with
2: V. Yeah. All right. Hello, everyone. All right. So my name is Vicentia. I am the IT projects manager for Ijara. So I'm going to talk about Ijara and talk about my role. So Ijara is basically a very interesting platform. You can just connect your mobile money account you can buy crypto sell crypto you can hold crypto and holding is safe because it's non-custodial so you you keep your keys and you are not scared that anything is going to happen to you right so we also allow um savings so we have tokenized bonds and this is basically for Francophone Africa. And then, yeah, so we operate in Francophone Africa and France. So for the bonds, we have some selected countries that we have their bonds tokenized. So this means that with just $1, you can start saving with their bonds, the tokenized bonds that we have. Moving forward, we also allow payments. So we have merchant payments where any anyone can receive payments through IJARA. And also, recently, we just launched um, our remittance aspects or payments so we realized that there are lots of people in the diaspora so we have france and cameroon very soon we'll be expanding to other francophone countries so anyone in france can just send money to somebody in cameroon and it's it's powered by cryptocurrency so that's the amazing thing and so when you're sending money to someone you don't have to think about do they have a wallet do they have seed phrase Nobody has to think about how many blocks I've been have been, whatever. All the things that she said doesn't matter. All mm-hmm. they need to do is have a mobile money account, and then they're going to receive their payment. So that is uh, my role there. And as a project manager, I'm just a friend to the engineering team. So whatever fancy things the product team brings, I just ensure that it's implemented on time. Remove any blockers and encourage the team. So that's it for my role at EJARA. Outside IJARA, I'm a blockchain enthusiast. I'm an educator. So I do this through content creation and also a community called Crypt Authority. So that's a little bit about me. Thanks.
1: Awesome. Munachio.
3: Hi, everyone. My name is Munachio Gweke. I'm the CEO at One Liquidity. At One Liquidity, we are a liquidity provider. So what we do is we essentially make businesses, fintechs, anyone that generally pays in the payments or exchange business more efficient. We do that by being a prime broker and uh, being a market maker. So we are integrated into anyone that does payments. So we work with almost all the payments providers. We work with banks, we work with FMCGs, we work with FX Texas. So we are the hidden layer that brings efficiency to these markets. You know, we provide liquidity to businesses that are looking to bring FX, take FX, do B2B payments. You know, so a lot of FinTech apps are generally built on top of our infrastructure. We do that by providing them cutting edge liquidity in terms of pricing, payment solutions, and integrations into general markets. So we work with generally people that are coming into the African space or going out, you know, and our work is just to make your business a little bit less hectic, give you the APIs, give you the efficiency you need, so that you'll be able to execute better and, I mean, make more profits. So that's what we do, and uh, happy to be on this panel. Thank you. Amazing, Sarah. Okay.
4: Hi, everyone. My name is Sarah Idaosa, and I'm the founder of Women in DeFi. So aside Women in DeFi, I'm actually a DeFi analyst and researcher. I'm also an educator in the Web3 space. So what we do at Women in DeFi is we educate women about the blockchain space. We also educate them about decentralized finance, because I think around 2021 or thereabouts, we realized that um, when the DeFi space was actually booming and a lot of people were talking about decentralized finance, we realized that not so many women were actually involved in it, and we saw that as a problem. So we decided to like um, create a solution of it and create a platform where women are not just educated about decentralized finance or about blockchain. We also educate them on skills that they can actually also leverage on the blockchain to build a sustainable career for themselves. And right now, we're actually looking like to get into the space whereby... Women will actually build us. After learning, you can now decide to like, build uh, solutions, to one of the socioeconomic problems we have in Africa using the blockchain technology. And we're also going to be connecting them to some VCs and some other investors who actually want to work with them for whatever solution that they build. Thank
1: you. Awesome. Imano.
5: Hi, guys. I'm um, so happy to be here. I want to thank the organizers for this awesome outing. I think they deserve a round of applause first. Alright, uh, my name is Emmanuel. Um, I recently joined Fuse, um, like two months ago. Um, so in case I have some technical questions, I will just forward some of them to some of the top guys in Fuse. But nonetheless, uh, Fuse was, um, launched four years ago, 2019. To size, um, they created to provide end-to-end, um, technical requirements to small businesses and also to developers. Um, likewise, um, basically a platform to build on. Um, it could be Web3 solutions or whatever project
1: you're working on. I think that's it. Also, awesome. interestingly, for those of you who don't know, we have a very good panel um to discuss what we're about to discuss. Emmanuel used to be the brain behind Binance. He doesn't mention it, but I wanted to. Um, Sarah was also with Mara, another big um, firm. Um, Munachi has been powering a lot of platforms, like he mentioned, NV is one of the go-to people when it comes to crypto in Ghana. So the first question is, what is the state of Web3 in Africa? And I'll start with Sarah. On that particular question.
4: Okay, thank you so much. So, about the state of Web3 in Africa, I'd say that when we're comparing Africa to like the global Web3 space, I think according to chain analysis recently, we realized that just 2.3% of, um, subset of activities in the Web3 space comes from sub-Saharan Africa, with actually Nigeria, of course, being top of that list. But aside that, like, if we're being honest with ourselves, that's a very tiny number, meaning we're still not there yet. But when we look into the, like, activities going on in Africa itself regarding Web3, we see a lot more people being more enthusiastic about it. I think, like I said, when I started off in the space years ago, I think when you talk about crypto or you talk about Web3 in general, in fact, Web3 was not really a word, there, but crypto was what everyone knew. You could barely see anyone who would actually want to get involved with it. But right now, we see a lot more companies being more open to it. They actually want to, like, be a part of the space. I think currently in Nigeria, um, there's an association called CBAN that recently they did a partnership with NITSTAR, which happens to be one of our governmental bodies over there, to see how they can now make, um, like, our governmental bodies more involved in Web3 space and not, like, before that, if you talk about Crypto, anywhere, I think. Um, people like get shy to speak about it, especially when they know that someone from the government or from CBN is actually there. But compared to that time, we see a lot more people being open to it. I think recently um, we found out, like, there was a news that came out recently that from South Africa, I think one of the major four um, banks they have in South mm-hmm. Africa, I think that's like first... Um, First National Bank, I think they are looking into using um, the blockchain to provide um, deeds of ownership for their customers regarding real estate. Because over there in South Africa, they realize that a lot of their customers, a lot of their users, they usually have issues with real estate, their deeds, they are always being changed and whatnot. And that's actually a big win for the South African um, Web3 ecosystem. Because if a bank like um FBN, I think that's what you calls something, sorry, FNB, something like that, like if they're actually being involved in Web3, that means that's like a step forward and it should actually like open the gateway for more um, banks and even more organizations to also want to like participate in it. So to me, I would say like right now, we're not there yet, but... Compared to like previous years, or like last year, when this same session, similar session like this was held, we're actually growing a lot more, and more um, opportunities are also being opened to us.
1: Emmanuel, same question.
5: More like what Sarah is saying, we're not there yet, but it's growing. So if you look at countries like Nigeria, Kenya, and South Africa, which are like the, are the forefront runner of uh, blockchain or Web3 adoption in Africa, I can see this has been an impressive uh, turnout. I was speaking at the Tech Next event um, two days ago, and I saw the interest from few developers that are looking to build on Web3. And it's really, really impressive that uh, in the next, nearest future, we'll be shocked, basically.
1: Yeah. Mm. Um, v? All
2: right. So I'm just going to add up to what they've already shared. We've seen immense progress, like Couple of years ago, when you talk about crypto, a lot of people just know about trading. Okay, but right now there's a little bit of advancement. It's obvious that blockchain is always blockchain adoption generally is trailing behind crypto adoption. That's that's obvious. But we are seeing some progress where we are seeing governments, some governments being involved. We have even seen some Regulatory clarity come for even crypto. I think recently Namibia had this policy for um, the virtual asset service providers. And I think that that's a good step. I think in South Africa, too, we are seeing some regulations coming in there. Though we have some uncertainties in, in other parts of Africa. Okay. Already we heard what's happening for Ghana. So I wouldn't go there. That, I mean, we are to expect in 2022, I think the Bank of Ghana announced that there, there are going to be some regulations for the digital asset space. So for me, I think that at least with these little, little um, clarity trickling in, it is great because it's going to boost investor confidence and also going to provide a good avenue for people to build. So going back to what I was saying, When you say crypto, everybody thinks it's just trading, but beyond trading, we have started experiencing other forms of adoption of the technology. So I think Nigeria recently um, had a blockchain, national blockchain policy, and I think it's really fascinating. Beyond that, we have seen young people go into working in the space, so careers in the space. There are people who don't trade, but are comfortable now. They don't need to know all the trading jargons, but they are working. Um, We have seen skill I mean, yes, generally we say that there's a shortage in talent, but we see people doing great things. We are having developers. Recently, there was an ETH Accra hackathon, and I was really amazed by some of the things that were built, some of the solutions that were built, and I think that it's a step in the right direction because not only are we staying at the consumer aspect, you know, when we say crypto, we just know that, okay, you are a Binance user or you are a, I mean, an exchange user, you just do P2P and you go away. But beyond that, we are seeing Development. We so are seeing people building in the space solutions that will solve the problems in Africa. And I think it's really commendable. We are not there yet, as they've said, but I think we've seen some tremendous, um, increase. And also in solving problems here in Africa. So we can look at tokenization of things, just as I talked about Ijara, where we have tokenization of bonds. We have other solutions, tokenizing real estates. And then, Looking at DeFi, I think DeFi has really come a long way to be one of the main foundations here because we see people doing savings, investing, and even payments, and we all know the kind of benefits that crypto payments come with. So I think we have come far, and there's a, there's a lot more to do, and if this is what we are seeing, I believe that there are a lot of great things ahead. So
1: Yeah, before Munaji comes in, I think another thing that we need to point out is we are on the minds of um, regulators I think in the past it was so easy for them to ignore us. So every two years they release a statement saying, stay away from crypto. And that's all they did. But now they can't even like have a proper session with stakeholders without people asking them about crypto or stable coins. And I think that's a lot of progress. Uh, Munachi.
3: For me, I think uh, I have a very, like a different opinion from most people here. I think first thing we need to separate it. Web3 is different from crypto. Let's start from there. Web3 regards crypto that is non-custodial. That means you control your private keys, you're able to sign in contracts on the blockchain, and I would say 90 to 99% of crypto is still very Web2 or Web 2.5 because liquidity providers like ourselves, Binance, and uh, major exchanges still control the vast majority of cryptocurrency. And it's not just that, down to mining, down to infrastructure, crypto is heavily centralized. Now, for Web3 in Africa and uh, what I've seen based on playing in the space, because I interact with businesses and I also interact with down to the last mile because as a market maker I'm literally on two ends of the market. The biggest issue or the reason why I see people going to Web3 that's moving non-custodial is the issue of counterparty risk and this has been on the center of the industry in Africa and this spans through many reasons. One is fraud. Now, we don't produce crypto in Africa, nobody's mining crypto here, let's be realistic. Good business, I don't know why it's not happening, I just think that there's no enough capital that is being pumped into the space. But most of the crypto that comes into Africa is purely uh, remittances, right? And the issue with that is a lot of it is tainted, has could be fraud related. So. I think there was a time, I'm sure you worked in Binance then, <laughs> it was going crazy then that Binance was closing people's accounts because of the receiving funds. Now, the problem so. is a lot of people mm-hmm. probably go and buy crypto somewhere from one guy, send them bitcoins, and they pay Naira, whatever the case may be. They don't know the history or the path at which those funds came in, and That's kind of the reason why we kind of have a compliance product. It's not necessarily because we want to sell it, but we need to do it because we process a lot of crypto. So we need to be able to give this ability to our customers to be able to check. Now, when those funds come in, most times it's tainted, and then you get your account closed. Personally, it has even happened to us. I've had an account of almost $10 million closed because of $100. And it becomes a systemic risk. So everybody decided to run away and started using trust wallets and all these custodial wallets. So for the future in Africa, aside from the custody risk, you know, I feel like crypto is the Web3 space is, I don't think there are a lot of projects that directly incentivizing Africans to use Web3 aside from the counterparty risks they face with using custodial platforms so i feel like we need to be more invested in solutions i I think i was listening to a guy yesterday that was talking about energy uh tokenizing energy you know that was and that's an amazing stuff you know if you can get that to proliferate it is one way that web3 can really scale so I feel like, you know, we we as Africans, we're only driven by money or by rewards. I think it's everyone, to be honest, not just Africans. So we need to look for more incentives to bring people to Web3. Crypto is already there. Listen, everybody does crypto. Anybody that doesn't know, everybody, banks, they do crypto. They tell you they don't do it, but they do it. They do it. Trust me, they do it. They just won't tell you that they do it. They know what it is. They will price you in it. In fact, if you give them the price, i will tell you that crypto is on this price. So they know it. Don't be deceived. You know, so crypto is there. Web3 is still developing because of we don't really have incentives. So that's my own opinion.
0: Join us at Africa Tech Summit Nairobi in February, where African Tech connects. Please visit africatechsummit.com forward slash Nairobi for more details and use discount code DEFI, that's D-E-F-I, and receive a discount off delegate passes.
1: I think you bring up an important issue, and I'm going to ask you a follow-up. You were saying that we have a lot of the crypto stuff that is happening currently being centralized. In a continent where we are looking to get some regulatory certainty, is that not something that may be good for adoption or even if that is not the case how do we move to a non-custodial world and chase regulation at the same time because the regulators are scared of the non-custodial nature of crypto
3: see listen regulators love centralized they like to centralize their risk they love it when they want to give licenses they look for the 10 biggest people and give the 10 biggest people license so they control the space you know A decentralized world is a uncontrollable world in the sense that if everybody, if there is no centralized risk or risk management system, for instance, if the Interpol is looking for you, they know if they touch six banks, they will find a trace to you. Do you understand? But if everybody is controlling their private keys, it becomes an issue because then they can't catch you anymore. You understand? So regulators love control. They love they love centralised. That's why you see people like Flutterwave today. They, they will easily get a crypto licence before you that like, is starting your own business because they know them. Do you understand? They understand their business. They play with them, and they are happy to work with them. Do you understand? For I think the biggest reason why crypto has not been adopted is because of decentralisation. If you really think about it. Because regulators don't know how to control it. And it becomes an issue. Now they are learning, but it's still the biggest reason. You know? So that's why in the market and in all financial systems, there's always about 80% of the value being controlled by, even in banking. You know, in, If you look at Nigerian banking system, there's maybe, if there are 101 banks, only about 20% of the banks control maybe 80% of the volume. It's how it's going to be and it's how it's, everything is. And that's what they like. They don't want the world where the, the risk is at 1-1% because it's difficult to manage. So that's my own opinion. So
1: I think they like it. The more centralized it is, the even better for them. So that's what I think. Awesome. While we are building the future of Web3, um, there are several challenges that make it difficult for us to build smoothly. And I think we've already identified one part of it, which is regulation. I mean, we just discussed a little bit of it. So I'd ask the other panelists to share some of the biggest challenges they've seen um for people building in Web3V.
2: Yeah, so I was going to talk about the regulation part. So let me just skip that. So another, um I think, important thing is when it comes to, should I say, infrastructure or... Let me say internet, right? (laughs) Because I found myself on many just Zoom calls or um, Google Meets, and I have to apologize like 10 times because the network went off. That's, That's just for Zoom. So what if you want to? He was talking about mining, and we know what mining comes with. You need internet. You need electricity. You need all these things. So I think that's one of the challenges. We going beyond just being the consumers, just doing crypto, buying and selling, people want to build stuff. Um, we have very remote areas where there's no electricity. I know, yes, we have USSD, we have these um, new advancements that you can send crypto to somebody with a USSD and all that, but, Indeed, internet is one of the main foundations. So I think that's one of the challenges that has come in. And let me also add, this is quite global. We've seen a lot of hacks and security breaches here and there. I think the last one I had was HTX That's they were hacked, and they were offering the hacker a bounty. I don't know how far that has gone, but that's global. And these are all some challenges. It brings distrust. It gives sometimes gives the regulators some more power to say no and all that. So I think these are some of the challenges in building. Maybe the other panelists have more to add
5: yeah imano yeah i think i just want to pinpoint on um, lack of awareness and education which is one of the biggest pain points when i was at binance and we spent a whole lot of our time doing a lot of education master classes a lot of contents and stuff at fuse uh what we're trying to do is give a grant i think i should announce this we have a ten million dollar fund um grants to give anyone building on web three. uh you can check us out, fuse.io slash ignite. Uh you can read more on that. Um if you have a project that you there is let's say you're building on social impact or you're building on DeFi or NFT, something around the metaverse. We're open to getting those ideas to fund it and push those education there. Yep.
1: Great. Um, talking about education, I will let Sarah um, talk to us about the challenges when it comes to education and how projects like Women in Defi are dealing with that on the African continent.
4: Okay, thank you, Elisha. So the thing is, with education, I think right now, if you go on Google and you search for what is Web3, you see, you'll see several results. But even after reading all of those results, I can bet you that even someone who is totally clueless you still be unable to understand what you're actually even reading. So a lot of people these days will tell you that um, they are into education, that they're onboarding people into Web3. But I think personally, like outside of my community, I've taken out time to study the way a lot of people actually say they're actually educating people about Web3. And the truth is, even me that have been in this space for a very long time, I end up being confused when I hear some of them speak. Because you're trying to explain something about, you're trying to explain Web3 to a newbie, to someone who doesn't even know what blockchain is, someone who has never come across it, and you are going up there to bring techno- technical terms. You're, explain, you're saying words like liquidity. Somebody who doesn't even understand money, you are going far ahead to like, start bringing technical terms. like... That is actually a major problem because I feel like if you want to educate someone, you should teach them in a way that someone that is five years old, like a normal five year old should be able to easily comprehend it. And we, at Remain Indify, like, like you said, like, that's one of the things that we're co- currently doing. We try our best to make sure that personally, I am the one who did the screen, who did the screening for the mentors. Like, I tell them, oh, you've been in this space for a very long time. Can you please assume I don't know crypto and explain it to me? And when I see that the way the is explaining, I'm like, nah, I'm so sorry. That like, That's too technical. I do my best to make sure that um, we go to the barest minimum. And that's why a lot of members of our community, if you check it out, there are people like who are totally clueless or who are totally clueless. But after spending months, because we take a lot of time, we don't do training to say after one month we're done training, you could still be learning that thing for the next like three to six months. You are still learning something that maybe if you go to some other places, you could learn it on that one month. Because we feel like it's best to like make sure I don't... The learning phase, if we can go to school to learn a course for six years, for four years, just because of one degree or one final exam that we want to, like, um, pass to get a particular degree, what's wrong with learning this particular thing for a very long time? Something that, you know, that yes to come, you're still going to be using it. So, like, that's, like, one thing we're doing in women in DeFi. I mean, like, aside the issue of education, I think another problem we have with um, Web3 is financial inclusion, in the sense that... A lot of builders these days, when they build um, infrastructures or they build anything in the three space, they tend to forget the underserved, like they tend to forget those in the rural areas. Like they feel, I don't know, you're building a product, that it's just people like the already saturated users in Web3 space that are still going to use it. Let's say, for example, I have a product that is about solar energy, for example, and it's already in existence. A lot of Web3 like, people already know about it. You 2 you're coming up into the market, you're building the same thing. And V is coming up, she's still building the same thing. Who oh, is going to use it? It's still the um, already existing users. Why not go forward to think of something that you know that people from the grassroots they are going to benefit from? Like try to like go for that, take a step for that. Don't do recreate, or should I say it's Fox? That's what's trending right now. A project, one major project um, project to build something in DeFi space and before you sleep and wake up, you see like five different new projects that are literally doing the same thing. Why not go a step further to do something new that even the newbies, even um the old mamas in the village, those who don't have proper access to like the internet, they can be able to use your product. See in PESA right now in Kenya, like everybody is literally using it. A normal keke driver, I am um, this, um, auto, like, bike, a bike rider yeah. also. They are able to, like, use Impesa and they can use it very well. But you, as a builder in anyway, free 3 space, somebody that is, like at the roadside, doesn't even know what your product is all about. Mm-hmm. That so it still touches the part of education and like because education and financial inclusion, I think they both actually still go hand in hand. Those are like major problems we have. So the builders also need to consider the newbies, the pool like from the like in Nigeria, I would say in the trenches. They should consider those from the trenches when they are building products and don't they should not just focus on those that are already up there to use their products. Yeah.
3: Munachi why do people need DeFi? I know it's a very rhetorical, but I need to actually know why, because I know why people need crypto. You know, there's a reason why people use crypto, but why do people need DeFi in the sense of it? Because I feel like there's a lot of complicated products. I've been in this space for close to a decade, and I don't think I've used two DeFi products, oh, really? because I don't really understand it. And if I don't understand it, why do people need it?
4: Okay, now DeFi is decentralized finance, Mm-hmm. and in the simplest form, the you is freedom. Now, think of you as a businessman, for example, or let's not even go there. somebody that is new, but you have a business idea, and you pitch your business idea to someone, and you need funding for your product, or maybe you say you want to go to the bank to get a loan. Let's start from that, like the basics now. You go to the bank... The bank would ask you several questions to provide several things like, and at the end of the day, you may not even get that through. But DeFi now is telling you that through DeFi pro- um, protocols and whatnot, we have um, a product like, is it Curve? No, Makadao rather, a decentralized learning protocol. Makadao does not require your documents. Makadao will not come and ask you if you have a mother or a father. These are decentralized but products. It,
3: it requires you to put money to get money. So if you don't have the money in the first place, how will you get But the
4: then money? again, it's still seamless.
3: Doesn't Even matter. in a bank
4: you still require money to get like of course if Not you don't have if you don't have a tangible product <laughs> to use as collateral, which bank will give you any money?
3: Not
5: necessarily. Food? It's basically finance
1: that exactly. It's yeah, but exactly. I understand making that. the process seamless. Yeah, you know exactly. it doesn't <laughs> so, so guys, guys, guys. <laughs> I think, I think this is part of the issue. So what's happening is exactly part of the issue. The fact that even those of us in the space can't agree on certain things makes it a bit difficult yes. for people. I think I'm... I'm an old Bitcoiner, so exactly. I understand that. I don't exactly.
3: understand are why you, are I need you, are money you to borrow maxi? money.
1: Are you a Bitcoin Maxi? 100%. I think that's, that's <laughs> no, where it's coming I'm from. School, but, I understand so so, that's so that's I, I was going to point something out. I think that's the thing, right? We have to look, I don't know, I think it's such like a luxurious thing to be a Bitcoin maxi in Africa <laughs> yeah. for for a lot of reasons. And I, I totally respect people who have Bitcoin maxis, but the issue is we still need to identify how certain things beyond our personal use cases or our personal beliefs, could be the catalyst that would take us to where we want to go. Yeah. So, for example, every time I'm speaking to Bitcoin maximalists and they ask me about, um, oh, you are talking about stable coins, you are tweeting about CBDCs, you are a shill, you are a sellout, you are working with the government now, which is not true. One thing I told them is all of these things would lead people to Bitcoin eventually. So, like, if people are not coming in because Flatterwave has not um, integrated USDC, how would they have money on the internet to buy Bitcoin? Let me tell you something. Maybe you don't know this, but uh-huh. the people that use Curve
3: and these DeFi protocols, who do you think uses it? A lot of Africans use it. No, the people that use it are LPs like us. Yeah, of course, I think that's true too. I, I hedge a lot of positions there mm-hmm. because you can hedge your position, you can earn a yield, yeah, and you can do it at scale. It mm-hmm. doesn't make sense for you putting $10 to get $9 back. It makes zero sense. But if you take a big position, you can get a yield. You can use the yield to pay off your clients I for an interest product. Yes. So the people that are actually using DeFi LP. are mostly institutions. Do you understand? And yeah. the rationale for me putting my $10 and getting $9 still doesn't make sense to me. I still, I'm still, i still
5: looking for a DeFi protocol that actually makes sense. At some point, right? African markets, if you look at the crypto sector... It is fully retail driven. No. No, chill. I'm, I'm getting some. I somewhere. disagree. Hold on. I'm getting some. <laughs> I know they're institutional investors, like. No investors. You, okay, you, but continue. Like you, the guys holding the liquidity, right? That's the angle you're coming
1: from. Right? But. There's no from retail business in Africa. Yeah. I'm going to argue this, and I'll argue. No, anyway. no. I, I think yeah, that's unfair. The just... reason why I'm saying this is because I, I can't say things, but I've worked with exchanges. I've seen the volumes. It's it's no. Those volumes are not driven by yeah, retail. I'm telling you, you're missing the point. I think you're once again looking at it from a perspective of institutions that are doing more volumes, which is true. But for the average African spending like three hundred dollars, four hundred dollars on crypto trading is a lot of money. It's a lot of money for lots of people. I don't know if you go around in Ghana and you ask people how much they earn $500 is not what a lot of people earn monthly so it's retail for them and that's the thing I think we need to understand just one thing.
3: yeah just one thing so I kind of beauty a local in Africa I've seen retail market I understand what you think is retail markets there is no retail market in Africa zero There are only arbitrary or people taking ad- advantage of FX risk And the people that are mostly driving those markets, 90% of them are trading 10 to $50,000 a day in volume. You can't consider that a retail market. If you want to see retail action, go to a platform like Binance or Coinbase, where you actually see people selling $10, $2, $3, $5, $50, $10. That's what drives markets. I can tell you that there's no retail market in Africa. It looks like there is, there's a lot of people saying that there's a retail market. There's zero. There's none. Everything is driven by LP, banks, institutions,
1: FX, Texas, that uh, are driving those volumes. We, would, we would definitely go back to this conversation when we yeah. go off stage. I, I don't want us to have a deeper insider conversation, but Sarah was pointing um, something out that I think is very important, and it links to the next question. I think it's an African thing, even in fintech. Everyone is copying what another person has done, and I don't think copying is bad, but when you have a situation where you have like 30 apps doing the exact same thing. It becomes a problem. So we are building the future of Web3. We are looking for adoption. What is that single use case that you can bet your entire life on that that particular use case is what's going to bring mass adoption for Web3 in Africa? I'll start with V. I
2: was going to say DeFi, but we've already... <laughs>
1: <laughs> we've passed <burst> that bubble on <laughs> Yeah,
2: but I still stand by DeFi because, um, listen he was saying something about Web3 is not crypto, I agree. And when I was making my submission, I also said that blockchain is trailing behind crypto adoption. So Web3 is basically, let me say, all the products of blockchain. Let me just simplify it that way. So the thing is that, why is crypto standing out now? He's saying there's no retail. Well, I beg to differ. But the truth is that, Crypto has come this far because of all the amazing use cases DeFi brings. We talk about savings. About two years ago, every morning, when you woke up in Ghana, you were expecting the newest updates in the Ghana CD rates with the US dollar, because it was crazy. I mean, those who were earning in dollars were happy. Like, yeah, so. <laughs> but the thing is that people use that to at least hedge against inflation. Someone can open, start saving in foreign currencies, within clicks you don't need any kyc they will not ask you to draw the direction from your house to anywhere i walked into a bank i wanted to open a us dollar account and what they were telling me i saw that i was not fit for this but with just one dollar with 10 cents you can start saving in crypto and that's something that's accessible to all it's seamless there are no there's nothing like a sunday there's nothing like go and come back That's one thing, and that's why we see crypto moving. Another thing is the loans, right? Look at loans like the traditional system. It's crazy, but here you can access loans even for SMEs are getting loans. I've seen, I think, a products out there like that, and I think it's great. So we look at savings, remittances, payments. With just one click, I can send money to India with no hindrances. I feel like these are the things that is driving financial inclusion. You know, Sarah said something about financial inclusion, and I, I think that, let me just add a little bit of it, is that when people build, build products, she was talking about your grandmother at home and all that, I also feel like the kind of marketing that we employ here should be different where we have crypto apps, and we have agents. So like Ijara, we do have agents who go to the market to talk to the market woman, tell them about, in their language, they understand it, tell them about crypto savings, and they can begin their journey. We go to the cobbler, we go to the mechanic, and they are jumping on. So I feel like also adding some other forms of marketing, reviewing the kind of marketing we do in Web3 is also going to include the people who are excluded. So for me, I feel like it's De- DeFi, driving financial inclusion, using all the things that are explained. Well, he will not agree with DeFi, but maybe.
1: <laughs> Munachi, so what's that single use case? I'm, I'm interested in what you have to say. There's only one use case. Tell us. Tokenization. Okay. now.
3: The reason why I feel tokenization is going to be the best direction for Africa is solving the issue of trust. And when you can tokenize things that are tangible, and there's still going to be counterparty risks, because if I tokenize yams, I still need to store the yams somewhere. So there's still that, but obviously there's going to be a centralized place of trust. What SECO did is this tokenized the U.S. dollar, And they put the dollars in the bank, even though there are any interest. They're not giving you, but it's fine. The point is, the point is taken. So, well, that's technically what the blockchain is: is a tokenization platform, true and true. There's no other thing that it does. It creates tokenization and uh, distributed uh, information. So, if we can start tokenizing real life things, tangible assets, you know, we can now put that on the blockchain. Then we can now actually use our house to get a loan, not use money to get a loan for money again. You understand? So then it starts to make sense. And then I, I believe that we're gonna solve the issue of lending, the issue of payments, the issue of everything, because then I can tokenize my, my farm yields, put it on the blockchain, use it as a collateral to get loan for maybe USDC. And use that to, you know, pay my staff. Then everything makes sense. You understand? But for now, using crypto to tokenize crypto, I'm, I'm not going to accept that.
1: <laughs> Sarah?
4: I'm going to like, cap everything the both of them have just said. Cause to me, it's literally the same thing, financial inclusion. And by financial inclusion, what I said before, being able to provide for like the barest minimum, like the tiniest of people, those from the grassroots, is still part of tokenization. Um, I think when you look at the aspect of DeFi, you are looking at it from just the payment part. You're forgetting that in DeFi, just as you are seeing lending and borrowing, you're seeing insurance, you're seeing even the, um, um the part for digitization that's like where people put their ads on the blockchain. These are all DeFi. But I think you're, you're, you're looking at it from just one angle of lending and borrowing. I only really use that as an example. I'm not saying that is DeFi. And bringing it back to his question, Tokenization so, like you said is actually what we need in Africa whereby everyone can have access to um their money or to their even their real life assets in a very very easy and secure way because like you said the issue of trust which literally all Africans have right now. A friend of mine was telling me just last night that anytime someone sends her a certain amount like of crypto, she will first of all go and check if it's on the <laughs> wallet, if she can even move it to the next, or so even someone if someone even sends her money, she'll have to check if she can use that money to purchase to be sure it's not fake alerts. Like I think right now RWA does like reward assets it's already a thing on the blog but I believe that by the time it comes to Africa, where everyone can literally um, purchase bonds, they can purchase securities, like with ease, trust me, we're not going to be having sessions like this anymore thinking about um, the state of crypto in Africa. Instead, we're going to be talking about more things that we are going to build using the blockchain technology. Yeah,
1: yeah. Emmanuel. i
5: um, hard eh? um, So I think I'm still talking to you, DeFi, um, because of Africa's unbanked population do you understand um because what drives us as an average african i want to see web 3 really scale here in africa is a lot of people are looking for platforms where they can you know save loan do lending and a lot of stuff like that and i think it's still basically defi. i think that's the most singular use case if i'm speaking um basically looking at the africa um, perspective
1: yeah great um I'll say the last thing for me when it comes to like it's not a use case. It's just a general narrative, which is opportunities. The fact that people from Africa can get jobs, can build new things in the Web3 space, is something that I think is not spoken about um, enough. And I think we need to consistently highlight that and just remind people that they claim it's the wild, wild west, and it's the world, wild west for a good reason. Mm-hmm. Things haven't been built yet, so you can pick it up and build it yourself. Um It's been an amazing I know. I think one of the biggest takeaways is that DeFi is going to be one of the most important things when it comes to the African continent. Regulators are warming up to Web3 and we are seeing a lot of development in this space. Hopefully, when we come back next year, we'll have bigger announcements um, and bigger things to talk about. Thanks to everyone for listening to us and we'll see you again next year.
0: Join us at Africa Tech Summit Nairobi in February where African Tech connects. Please visit africatechsummit.com forward slash Nairobi for more details and use discount code DeFi, that's D-E-F-I, and receive a discount off delegate passes. To hear our latest episodes, please subscribe to our channel on your favorite podcast app. You can also visit africatechsummit.com for our upcoming events and news.